Hello and welcome to today's show. Today is another solo podcast. This is Denise's Opinions. It is not legal advice, HR advice, financial advice, or any other advice regulated by law. It is simply my opinion. Today's topic, being an ally for women-owned businesses. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that I've historically been the best ally that I could be for other women-owned businesses. I've not done or been a bad ally. I've simply just been a non-participating ally. What do I mean by that? I do a lot of networking, often in women's groups. I enjoy uplifting other women and women business owners in particular. I've even helped some others get businesses started that are similar to mine. Uh, From time to time, someone reaches out to me and asks me to, to help them answer some questions. And I always approach that with a collaborative mindset versus a competitor mindset. There's enough to go around and I'm not giving away the secret sauce. So it's fine to help them in the initial stages of their business and to get them going. In May, I posted on my LinkedIn account an article uh, that was a result of a survey that the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Voices did. And in this, they surveyed women business owners. They actually surveyed over 900 women business owners. And the results were that 99% of the women-owned small businesses felt like the government was failing them in helping them to succeed. So why does the government need to help them succeed? Well, actually, that's what the SBA is for, the Small Business Administration, is to support small business owners. And let me tell you, 44% of all small businesses are are women-owned. And the SBA has a 5% goal to contract to women. Okay, let me say that again. 44% of small businesses are owned by women, yet the goal for the SBA is only 5%. Oh, and they don't meet it. Okay, just want to let you know that. So why the big disparity? The article goes on to talk about, you know, the challenges for women. First of all, getting to be certified as a woman-owned small business through the SBA, there's a ton of resources that you need to pull together, a lot of financial work, et cetera. And it's very time consuming. And I get that, yes, men go through the same process if they need to certify for, say, veteran-owned small business or disabled uh, small business. So just the amount of work it takes for the certification, of those 900 people surveyed, women-owned businesses uh, that were surveyed, 42% stated that they did not think the time it takes for the certification was worth it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm one of those. I did not, I have certified my business twice, once when I owned another company and I decided not to do it again. And I only intended to go after local contracts. I had a cleaning company then and I wanted to go to local um, government agencies, you know, the county and the city. And even that process was like insanely cumbersome. So I let the, the certification expire. The same with this company. I certified through the SBA. And the biggest thing with this particular certification was their website had gone wonky, okay? Which is one of the reasons they need to be authorized is they reauthorize is they need to update their technology. Their website went wonky and I could not get the recertification to go through. And I finally just gave up on it. It really wasn't worth my time. Now, the other challenge that this article cited with that program is that the federal contracting agencies do not understand the program requirements. And being unfamiliar with the program requirements makes it hard for them to actually comply with the program requirements. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of federal government contracting agencies. So this article went on to to talk about these things and 
when I posted this on my LinkedIn, guess who the only person was to respond? A man. Yes, indeed. And part of how he started the conversation was this was missing context. And then he replied again saying, well, they must not be the lowest bidders. Oh, well, and there must not be enough women, you know, applying for these contracts. I'd like to remind the listeners out here that the federal government contracts everything from Tai Chi to catering to accounting services to parts for fighter jets. Okay. There is a huge wide gamut of things that they contract for. And certainly there should be a varied pool of contenders for that. So fast forward to last week and I went to a NABO award here in Richmond. It was our annual awards. And I had a conversation with a colleague prior to the event starting. In that conversation, she was talking about how she was breaking up with her business partner and that uh, she had a conversation with an attorney, a male attorney, and how he described the process of how they were going to you know, go through the, the breakup and the dissolution as very similar to a fighting match, like in the ring, punch, punch, fighting match. So there happened to be an attorney in our group and she piped in and said, no, that's not really the way to do it. You know, you want, well, plus my colleague said, no, I don't want to do that. We've had, you know, this long run together and I wanted to come out, you know, so we both feel good about how it ended. So the attorney actually made a, a few comments and talked about how, you know, really it should be about how the alignment has changed in that we want to have a resolution that is amiable for, you know, suitable for both parties and leave amiably. My colleague stated how that absolutely resonated with her and that as a woman, this language, the way that, you know, the attorney in the group had presented it was really strong yet powerful and not at all like a fighting match, like the bout, you know, in the ring, punch, punch. My colleague also knows that I run a podcast and so piped in and said, hey, you should be on Denise's podcast and hopefully I will be bringing this attorney to you with some talks about how to negotiate contracts, set up contracts in case something happens. She's a phenomenal attorney here in Richmond and has actually helped me set up the registrations when I moved to the Virginia area. So as I was thinking about this conversation, I realized that I can actually utilize my podcast to be a platform to bring a voice to women. I am sure there's tons of other places out there, but I can only control what I do. And I really want to be a better ally, a better supporter for women business owners. So I am joining in and amplifying our voices as one, I hope, and bringing you guests who are women, for women, by women, about women. Now, how is, how is that going to change the podcast? You might be having some questions. You know, it is called Nurture Small Business. Well, the key components of Nurture Small Business will stay intact that I have always focused on business growth and that is going to be the main focus is just simply going to be topics brought to you by women rather than men. Okay. And have the twist that we as women business owners and just women need. A few things that you might see a little bit different, bipartisan legislation that might impact women-owned small businesses, additional topics and resources for us, as well as self-care, because you know, as well as I do, we take care of ourselves last. I'd love to hear your ideas for topics as well. 
As I'm new and getting into this, I just want to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to me at pr at dcavirtual.com. That is just pr at dca in the word virtual.com. Thanks for being here today. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.